section ninety four of england scotland ireland and wales this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the world's story volume ten england scotland ireland and wales edited by eva march tappan section ninety four the battle of the boyne sixteen ninety by thomas babington macaulay a year after the siege of londonderry king william landed in ireland and at the river boyne his veteran soldiers met the untrained irish peasants in a battle that sealed the fate of ireland the editor it was still early in the day the king rode slowly along the northern bank of the river and closely examined the position of the irish from whom he was sometimes separated by an interval of little more than two hundred feet he was accompanied by schomberg ormond sidney solmes prince george of hesse coningsby and others their army is but small said one of the dutch officers indeed it did not appear to consist of more than sixteen thousand men but it was well known from the reports brought by deserters that many regiments were concealed from view by the undulations of the ground they may be stronger than they look said william but weak or strong i will soon know all about them at length he alighted at a spot nearly opposite to old bridge sat down on the turf to rest himself and called for breakfast the sumpter horses were unloaded the canteens were opened and a tablecloth was spread on the grass the place is marked by an obelisk built while many veterans who could well remember the events of that day were still living while william was at his repast a group of horsemen appeared close to the water on the opposite shore among them his attendants could discern some who had once been conspicuous at reviews in hyde park and at balls in the gallery of whitehall the youthful berwick the small fair-haired laurizon turquenel once admired by maids of honour as the model of manly vigour and beauty but now bent down by years and crippled by gout and overtopping all the stately head of sarsfield the chiefs of the irish army soon discovered that the person who surrounded by a splendid circle was breakfasting on the opposite bank was the prince of orange they sent for artillery two field pieces screened from view by a troop of cavalry were brought down almost to the brink of the river and placed behind a hedge william who had just risen from his meal and was again in the saddle was the mark of both guns the first shot struck one of the holsters of prince george of hesse and brought his horse to the ground ah cried the king the poor prince is killed as the words passed his lips he was himself hit by a second ball a six-pounder it merely tore his coat grazed his shoulder and drew two or three ounces of blood both armies saw that the shot had taken effect for the king sank down for a moment on his horse's neck a yell of exultation rose from the irish camp the english and their allies were in dismay solmes flung himself prostrate on the earth and burst into tears but william's deportment soon reassured his friends there is no harm done he said but the bullet came quite near enough coningsby put his handkerchief to the wound a surgeon was sent for a plaster was applied and the king as soon as the dressing was finished rode round all the posts of his army amidst loud acclamations 
such was the energy of his spirit that in spite of his feeble health in spite of his recent hurt he was that day nineteen hours on horseback a cannonade was kept up on both sides till the evening william observed with especial attention the effect produced by the irish shots on the english regiments which had never been in action and declared himself satisfied with the result all is right he said they stand fire well long after sunset he made a final inspection of his forces by torchlight and gave orders that everything should be ready for forcing a passage across the river on the morrow every soldier was to put a green bough in his hat the baggage and great coats were to be left under a guard the word was westminster the king's resolution to attack the irish was not approved by all his lieutenants schomberg in particular pronounced the experiment too hazardous and when his opinion was overruled retired to his tent in no very good humour when the order of battle was delivered to him he muttered that he had been more used to give such orders than to receive them for this little fit of sullenness very pardonable in a general who had won great victories when his master was still a child the brave veteran made on the following morning a noble atonement the first of july dawned a day which has never since returned without exciting strong emotions of very different kinds in the two populations which divide ireland the sun rose bright and cloudless soon after four both armies were in motion william ordered his right wing under the command of meinhardt schomberg one of the duke's sons to march to the bridge of slain some miles up the river to cross there and to turn the left flank of the irish army meinhardt schomberg was assisted by portland and douglas james anticipating some such design had already sent to the bridge a regiment of dragoons commanded by sir neil o'neill o'neill behaved himself like a brave gentleman but he soon received a mortal wound his men fled and the english right wing passed the river this move made lausanne uneasy what if the english right wing should get into the rear of the army of james about four miles south of the boyne was a place called dulic where the road to dublin was so narrow that two cars could not pass each other and where on both sides of the road lay a morass which afforded no firm footing if meinhardt schomberg should occupy this spot it would be impossible for the irish to retreat they must either conquer or be cut off to a man disturbed by this apprehension the french general marched with his countrymen and with sarsfield's horse in the direction of slain bridge thus the fords near old bridge were left to be defended by the irish alone it was now near ten o'clock william put himself at the head of his left wing which was composed exclusively of cavalry and prepared to pass the river not far above Drogheda. the centre of his army which consisted almost exclusively of foot was entrusted to the command of schomberg and was marshalled opposite to old bridge at old bridge had been collected the whole irish army foot dragoons and horse sarsfield's regiment alone excepted the meath bank bristled with pikes and bayonets a fortification had been made by french engineers out of the hedges and buildings and a breastwork had been thrown up close to the water-side turkenel was there and under him were richard hamilton and antrim schomberg gave the word solmes's blues were the first to move they marched gallantly with drums beating to the brink of the boyne 
then the drums stopped and the men ten abreast descended into the water next plunged londonderry and enniskillen a little to the left of londonderry and enniskillen crossed at the head of a long column of french refugees a little to the left of cayamot and his refugees the main body of the english infantry struggled through the river up to their armpits in water still farther down the stream the danes found another ford in a few minutes the boyne for a quarter of a mile was alive with muskets and green boughs it was not till the assailants had reached the middle of the channel that they became aware of the whole difficulty and danger of the service in which they were engaged they had as yet seen little more than half the hostile army now whole regiments of foot and horse seemed to start out of the earth a wild shout of defiance rose from the whole shore during one moment the event seemed doubtful but the protestants pressed resolutely forward and in another moment the whole irish line gave way Turkinell looked on in helpless despair he did not want personal courage but his military skill was so small that he hardly ever reviewed his regiment in the phoenix park without committing some blunder and to rally the ranks which were breaking all round him was no task for a general who had survived the energy of his body and of his mind and yet had still the rudiments of his profession to learn several of his best officers fell while vainly endeavouring to prevail on their soldiers to look the dutch blues in the face richard hamilton ordered a body of foot to fall on the french refugees who were still deep in water he led the way and accompanied by some courageous gentlemen advanced sword in hand into the river but neither his commands nor his example could infuse valour into that mob of cow stealers he was left almost alone and retired from the bank in despair farther down the river antrim's division ran like sheep at the approach of the english column whole regiments flung away arms colours and cloaks and scampered off to the hills without striking a blow or firing a shot it required many years and many heroic exploits to take away the reproach which that ignominious rout left on the irish name yet even before the day closed it was abundantly proved that the reproach was unjust richard hamilton put himself at the head of the cavalry and under his command they made a gallant though an unsuccessful attempt to retrieve the day they maintained a desperate fight in the bed of the river with solmes's blues they drove the danish brigade back into the stream they fell impetuously on the huguenot regiments which not being provided with pikes then ordinarily used by foot to repel horse began to give ground Cayamot, while encouraging his fellow exiles received a mortal wound in the thigh four of his men carried him back across the ford to his tent as he passed he continued to urge forward the rear ranks which were still up to the breast in the water on on my lads to glory to glory schomberg who had remained on the northern bank and who had thence watched the progress of his troops with the eye of a general now thought that the emergency required from him the personal exertion of a soldier those who stood about him besought him in vain to put on his cuirass without defensive armour he rode through the river and rallied the refugees whom the fall of cayumot had dismayed come on he cried in french pointing to the popish squadrons come on gentlemen there are your persecutors those were his last words as he spoke a band of irish horsemen 
rushed upon him and encircled him for a moment when they retired he was on the ground his friends raised him but he was already a corpse two sabre wounds were on his head and a bullet from a carbine was lodged in his neck almost at the same moment walker while exhorting the colonists of ulster to play the men was shot dead during near half an hour the battle continued to rage along the southern shore of the river all was smoke dust and din old soldiers were heard to say that they had seldom seen sharper work in the low countries but just at this conjuncture william came up with the left wing he had found much difficulty in crossing the tide was running fast his charger had been forced to swim and had been almost lost in the mud as soon as the king was on firm ground he took his sword in his left hand for his right arm was stiff with his wound and his bandage and led his men to the place where the fight was the hottest his arrival decided the fate of the day yet the irish horse retired fighting obstinately it was long remembered among the protestants of ulster that in the midst of the tumult william rode to the head of the enniskilleners what will you do for me he cried he was not immediately recognized and one trooper taking him for an enemy was about to fire william gently put aside the carbine what said he do you not know your friends it is his majesty said the colonel the ranks of sturdy protestant yeomen set up a shout of joy gentlemen said william you shall be my guards to-day i have heard much of you let me see something of you one of the most remarkable peculiarities of this man ordinarily so saturnine and reserved was that danger acted on him like wine opened his heart loosened his tongue and took away all appearance of constraint from his manner on this memorable day he was seen wherever the peril was greatest one ball struck the cap of his pistol another carried off the heel of his jack-boot but his lieutenants in vain implored him to retire to some station from which he could give his orders without exposing a life so valuable to europe his troops animated by his example gained ground fast the irish cavalry made their last stand at a house called plotten castle about a mile and a half south of old bridge there the enniskilleners were repelled with the loss of fifty men and were hotly pursued till william rallied them and turned the chase back in this encounter richard hamilton who had done all that could be done by valour to retrieve a reputation forfeited by perfidy was severely wounded taken prisoner and instantly brought through the smoke and over the carnage before the prince whom he had foully wronged on no occasion did the character of william show itself in a more striking manner is this business over he said or will your horse make more fight on my honour sir answered hamilton i believe that they will your honour muttered william your honour that half-suppressed exclamation was the only revenge which he condescended to take for an injury for which many sovereigns far more affable and gracious in their ordinary deportment would have exacted a terrible retribution then restraining himself he ordered his own surgeon to look to the hurts of the captive and now the battle was over hamilton was mistaken in thinking that his horse would continue to fight whole troops had been cut to pieces one fine regiment had only thirty unwounded men left it was enough that these gallant soldiers had disputed the field till they were left without support or hope or guidance 
till their bravest leader was a captive and till their king had fled end of section ninety four this recording is in the public domain